it's a verse that I believe helps us to see who Jesus really was. And, of course, we've talked about similar verses to this, uh, but this is Jesus talking about himself in John chapter 10. Uh, and he says in verse 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Uh, and so Jesus said, this is who I am. I'm the good shepherd. Amen. Uh, you know, a bad shepherd uh, would be someone who doesn't care about the flock. Amen. Uh, the flock's out wandering around and the shepherd's texting on his phone, you know, checking his Facebook posts and see how many likes he got on Instagram and all those things. And the sheep are off, you know, at the, at the you know, edge of the cliff jumping off and and they're like, yeah, but I just got another post, you know. And, and so, uh, so the good shepherd, it says, uh, good, if you go back, we're not going to go back there, but if you go back to like Jeremiah especially, he talks about bad shepherds, right? And so we want to stay on the good shepherd side. But he said the good shepherd, uh, he said, what defines a good shepherd? He said the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Uh, and, um, uh, of course, if you dig a little deeper in this, where it says he gives his life for the sheep, this is not talking about his physical life, right? Because it's not talking about him going to the cross, Amen. Uh, and so uh, it's talking about here that word life there is the Greek word suke, which is, is, is more often translated as the word soul. Uh, and so it's really talking about his will. Uh, and if you read it this way, that I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd gives up his will, what he wants to do for the benefit of his sheep. Uh, and that's what a good shepherd does, right? Uh, you know, there are things that Jesus wanted to do, you know, sleep in or whatever. And, and the Lord said, I need you to pray for your sheep. Okay, then I'll go pray for the sheep. Uh, you know, he would rather do something else, right? The Lord said, I need you to go to the cross. Well, Jesus, well, I'd rather not go to the cross, but the Lord said, I need you to go to the cross. And the Lord said, well, I'll be, I'm willing to do that. And the life that he gave was not the going to the cross part. It's the fact that he chose to do what the Lord wanted him to do for the benefit of the sheep. Uh, and, and that tells us that by example, you know, we should live this way too, amen, that, that a good child of God, a good Christian will give up what he wants to do for the benefit of, of those uh, other Christians in the church of God. Amen. Not just the local church, but the church of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and oftentimes the Lord will call us up. To, hey, I need you to do something. I need, I need you to be available to, to do this thing, to go and pray, to go and speak, to go and, and comfort, uh, just to go and help. Uh, whatever that thing is uh, that the Lord wants you to do, uh, on our part, then we have to be willing to do that, right? The good shepherd will give up what he wants to do for the benefit of those around him. Uh, and Jesus, that's what defines a good shepherd, not dying for somebody, right, which is which is what Jesus had to do. Uh, it's not the dying part as far as physically dying. It's the willingness part, the willingness to help, to be there, amen, to provide assistance. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, when I started studying the, uh, these ideas that the Lord has put it here, this has been in, in the Word of God for thousands of years. And yet... Uh, um, you know, a lot of this idea is about giving up what you want to do for the benefit of others has been hidden from the church. You know, the church hasn't done what we need to do to find out what Jesus is really saying here. Uh, and so because we think, well, I'll be willing to die. But how many of us will ever have to take a bullet for somebody? Right. Nobody. Amen. Uh, uh, and so uh, but how often does the Lord need you to to choose to help somebody right on a daily basis? Uh, and how often do we choose not to? I'm busy, I've got things to do, you know, they don't deserve it, or, you know, they're not, they're not the nice person that I want to be, you know, whatever excuse we come up with. But Jesus said, here's the definition of a good shepherd. It's not dying and shedding blood for you. It's, hey, I need you to help me. Okay, I'll be glad to help. Uh, and so it's the willingness that, that Jesus said is what defines the good shepherd, not so much the shedding of blood. 
and so that makes all of us available to be able to do this. Amen. You know, over in, in, um, uh, in Timothy, he says that we need to be vessels that are meet for the master's use or available and useful for the master to use us. Amen. Uh, and he talked about laying things aside that are, are a hindrance to the Lord being able to use us. You know, we want to be able to be used of the Lord, right? A lot of times people, well, Lord, use me. Uh, well, I need you to go, you know, take out the garbage. Well, not like that, Lord. You know, use me, and here's my approved list of ways that you can use me, right? And so we submit that list to the Lord. How often we do that, right? Well, Lord, I, you know, I want to do it this way, this way, this way. And, and the Lord's like, well, you know, maybe we'll get to that, but there's some other things I need you to do first. Uh, and so uh, we want to be, when the Lord says, I need help. You know, remember in, in Ezekiel, he said he sought for a man to pray. You know, so he was looking, right? You know, when, I, when, I, when the Lord is looking, and his eyes pass through Dayton. I want to, I want him to see me like this. Lord, I'll help. Well, well, you don't even know what it is. I'll help, Lord. Uh, you know, I, I, don't want, I don't want the Lord to, to say, well, I need help. Well, Lord, if you could submit your request, I'll be glad to consider it. Right? <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not meat for the master's use. Right? That's not easy. Right? Uh, we want to be easily used of the Lord. We don't want the Lord to be like, please, will you help me? Well, Lord, I'm, uh, I'm so tired. Please, please help me. Lord, I, you know, it's just, there's just things I, you know, I've got to make my bed. I've got to straighten out my sock drawer. And, and the Lord said, just forget it. I'll just find somebody else, you know. Or sometimes, you know, like Ezekiel, he said he couldn't find anybody. Uh, you think about that. There's 8 billion people in the world. And there are times when the Lord needs something done, and he can find nobody to do that. Uh, and so the good shepherd, right, and the good child of God is, is always doing this right here, right? The greatest calling that we have is to be a servant, Amen. Uh, and, and um, not a minister, not a prophet, not an apostle. The greatest, uh, greatest calling we have is to be a servant. And, and if we can live that way, you know, it's really easy because sometimes people think they're going to lose out if they're a servant. You never lose out on being a servant. Uh, you never, because it's not that you always have to say yes to everybody. You just always have to say yes to the Lord. Because sometimes, you know, people would just try to consume your entire life. And sometimes, you know, sometimes Jesus said, no, I'm not going. There were times when he said no, right? Uh, but when the Lord said, I need you to go do that, the answer was always yes. Amen. So if the Lord's, Lord says you go help them, then the answer should always be yes. Amen. If it was, sometimes the Lord say you don't help them. They're not at the, at the place where they need to be helped just yet. It's no problem, Lord. I'm still following your will. Amen. Uh, and so can we do that? Can we take, take the example of the good shepherd and be like him? It, it, it takes some work if you're not used to being that way, if you're not used to living like this right here. It does take some effort to change and to be that person, right? Uh, because you're used to not doing that. You used to, uh, you know, people volunteer member in school. I need somebody to do this, right? And everybody looked around. In the corporate world, same thing. I need somebody to do this. And everybody's looking at everybody else, right? Uh, and it w- the best employees that I ever had for me was, hey, I need this done. And somebody, yeah, I'll do that. Okay, no problem, right? That, that's always the best uh, employee. That's the way we want to be with the Lord, amen? And that's, that will affect your natural life in, in a good way, Amen. Uh, and so praise God. Well, let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. They said the peace, one of the last things that I left to my church before I arrived back in heaven was my great peace. And I've established supernatural peace in the church for this very time. For in the timeline that men would measure, there are wars and rumors of wars. Even at the horizon of time, there are great and mighty changes that will be coming to the earth. And the church must stand strong in peace. For if the church falls, 
there's no hope for the world. The very hope of the whole earth rests in the church. And supernatural peace is the only method that I've given to the church to stand strong in the face of war. Yes, I've given you the armor of God. Yes, I've given you the shield of faith and the, and the sword of the Spirit. But it is the peace which causes you to stand firm in the midst of the war. Know of a surety that times and seasons will get worse and worse. And as I said in my word, that the love of many will wax cold. The love for the peace of God, the love for the word of God, the love for the doctrine of heaven will grow cold in the hearts of men for those who don't stand strong in peace. So stand strong in the peace of God, for there's much battle ahead. The enemy of mankind will rise up and destroy the physical lives of men in the earth and will try to destroy the very foundation of the church of heaven. But know that I have strengthened you with peace, and peace can stand firm in the midst of any storm. The storms in the realm of the spirit, the storms in the realm of the natural, the storms even in the minds of men. The peace of God will stand strong and firm. So yield to the peace. Seek out the peace of God. Develop the fruit of peace as I've, struck, as I've shown you and instructed you in my word. For times and seasons will come upon the church and many will walk away. Many will cower down. Many will stop speaking. Many will walk away from the plan of God. But those who stand strong in peace will be able to stand firm in the midst of the storm and rise up the shield of faith and rise up the sword of the, of the Spirit to take back the lives of men who have walked away and gone into the realm of darkness to help them and rescue them out from the, the area of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of my dear son. There's much harvest that has to be made. But the harvest will be done, as I said in my word, oftentimes with the visibility of war on the horizon. The harvest will come and there, are sword, there will be swords that still have to be drawn in the midst of the harvest. So be at peace. Never yield to fear. And never yield to the, to the ways of the enemy. The enemy will try to use harm and try to use fear control the church but I've risen a great and strong and mighty church that will stand above the fear of men that will stand above even the fear of the loss of life so be strong in peace and know that whatever comes your way I am always with you and I am the strength that you can stand upon and know that great victory will be had in the church who chooses to walk in peace thank you Father we thank you. Thank you. Yes, Father, we choose to walk in the peace of God. You said, my peace you have given to us, Father. And not as the world gives. You've given us supernatural, abundant peace. Father, we thank you for that. Thank you, Father. Praise God, is the Lord good? You know, one of the tactics that the enemy loves is 
uh, to try to overwhelm the church with fear and dread and physical attacks, verbal attacks. And it's happened all through, uh, all through uh, time in existence, amen? Even in the church sometimes, people inside the church will try to get other people in the church to be quiet uh, and, and to stop speaking. Uh, and, and I've seen people do the, the, the most awful things in church, and many people will remain silent because they're afraid to speak. They're afraid to say anything, afraid to stand strong. And oftentimes we'll back down uh, and cower from that. Uh, and, uh, and we see that, you know, with all the crazy terrorism that's going around the world. You know, all these uh, uh, Muslim people that, you know, uh, Islam is, is a religion of hate and murder. It is not a religion of peace. Amen. Uh, and, and they're trying to destroy, first of all, Israel. But Israel just the first people on the list. Amen. Christian, the Christian church, the second people on the list. And all the people who are not religious are the third people on the list. Amen. Until you yield and put on a burqa if you're a woman, uh, then uh, they will kill you if they can. Amen. Uh, and that, that's not to put anybody in fear. It's like, well, have you not met my angels? You know, let me introduce you to my big angels that walk with me everywhere I go. Amen. Uh, and, and so uh, we have the great advantage of the church to have the ability to walk in faith. Amen. Shield of faith, sword of the spirit. Amen. These are, these are not just comic book ideas. These are reality uh, of the word of God, the power of God. Amen. The church is a mighty army and cannot be defeated if we'll stand strong in faith. Uh, and we should never back down from fear. Amen. We should never quit saying the truth of the word of God because of fear. Amen. Amen. You know, there was a, a minister that just passed away just recently. And he was a, 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 just a great minister. Had a, a large, very large, uh, uh, we'll call a mega church for years. An amazing singer. And, and, uh, but somewhere along the way, you know, he decided that God won't send anybody to hell. Of course, God doesn't send anybody to hell anyway but that nobody's going to go to hell because um, God is a good God. Well, why does somebody get to that point? Well, because they get afraid to speak the truth. Well, if I tell you that there's, that there's ramifications to your actions, well, that doesn't sell really well. But if I tell you no matter what you do, God loves you and you're going to heaven, man, you pack the seats out, right? And, of course, unfortunately, he lost everything, lost his ministry, because then once you go down that road, then there's no sin at all, right? You just live wherever you want to and, and, and then... Uh, once you get to that point, he lost his ministry, lost uh, his reputation, lost everything, and, and died uh, a, really a young man. Uh, and uh, it's unfortunate to lose someone who was such a great influence in the body of Christ uh, for many years. And then suddenly, you know, you get afraid to, to speak the truth. And in fact, I was thinking about that as I was, uh, as we were singing too. There was a lot of things going on we were singing today, but uh, that's, that's just the way it happens sometimes, right? But, you know, we're talking about the judgment of the Lord. And, you know, this is a topic that just landmines everywhere, right? Uh, because if you say the wrong thing, I mean, people have such strong opinions about this. And then uh, they, there's a landmine. They will, they will blow you out of the water, right? Uh, and, and so either we're fearless or we're stupid, one of the two, uh, but going on this topic. But the Lord impressed me so strong because, you know, he gave me a whole bunch of notes. And then, you know, uh, a month or two ago, this is what you need to teach on next. And then it was quiet, so I thought, maybe he's changed his mind. So I started studying other things, uh, you know, because, uh, I mean, sometimes you just want to preach, you know, uh, daisies and puppies, right? Uh, and everything is well, and all the, everyone is wonderful, and, and that's fine, right? And there's, sometimes there's a need for that message, too, because we need to be encouraged. Uh, and, and so, but Lord said, no, you need to go back and, and study these things out. And the problem with this message, really, is such a big topic. You could teach on this 
for years, right? Because there's so much in the Word of God that teaches about it. Uh, and yet, there's, in my observation, there's so much basic misunderstanding of these areas, right? I mean, people just, they have no concept of this. And I think part of it is because we oftentimes want to stand in the position of the Lord. Well, if I was God, you know, you know hex on you, right? I mean, that's kind of the way we think. Uh, and we don't go to the Word of God. So, well, how does God actually deal with us from His Word? How does He lay these things out? And, and the problem that you find in the Word of God in the New Testament is, well, the answer is it depends. Well, we don't like that answer. We want, if you do this, off with your head. If you do that, we'll let it slide. No, that's not, the answer of the Word of God is He designs. Uh, sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no when it comes to how he's going to deal with your sin. Uh, and, and so we don't much like that, but we still need to find out what he says and, 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 and what he has told us that helps us to, to live in this life successfully. Amen? Because right. what happens a lot of times in the church is we do something and we're not struck by lightning. Then my, the Lord must be okay with that. And, and, we, and, and so we go do something else and we're not struck by lightning. And we think maybe the Lord's okay with that. And what happens is we don't realize that uh, even though we're not struck by lightning, all of a sudden our life seems to not be as, as happy and full of joy as it was yesterday or the day before yesterday. Things aren't quite, don't work quite as well as they used to work. Amen? Now, and we start, then we start making excuses. Well, God's not real. Or you know, we start changing the word. Well, you know, uh, the, the church just doesn't have it anymore or whatever, whatever euphemism we like to make, right? Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, for me, now let's open up to the book of Romans. Uh, I, this is the way that I live right here. And this is Romans 8, 28. And, and this is a well-known verse here. It says, and we know. And, you know, Paul says that with such assurance. We know. You know, uh, that's not really true. <laughs> I mean, it's true for him. He knows this to be true. But how many people in the church know this thing, right? We know that all things work together for good, that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. Okay, is that a true verse? It's a true verse. How do most people interpret that verse? When the tornado strikes and you lose everything, God is going to turn that to good somehow. Is that what it says? We know that all things work together for good? Because is the tornado good? Is the destruction of the tornado good? Well, that's not good. So how, how did you get to this verse if you have to go through destruction first? It doesn't make any sense. Well, before this verse can be true, you first have to have the earthquake that swallows all your possessions and your dog. And then after that, now things can work together for good. But the only way things can work to, for, together for good is if at first you live in dire destruction. Well, it doesn't say that, right? So we need to read it the way that it says it. All things work together for good. So as I'm walking in my life, the plan of God is I have blessings and peace and joy uh, that I've already al aligned for your life. When you arrive at that point, that's what you're going to see when you get there. All things work together for good. So when you arrive at that point, it's good. And so when you go from that point to the next point, he's already laid out things for it. So when you get to that next point, that's going to be good too. He's laying out things already for your good when you arrive at that point. Most of the time we look backwards and say, well, everything bad, now God's going to turn that to good. Well, if you were living in the, in the blessings and the peace and the, and, and the protection of the Lord, then that, those number of bad things end up being zero. Now, there are bad things that can happen outside of you. The economy could go bad, right? The war could happen. But inside of your life, it could always be good. That's the plan and will of God. We shouldn't look backwards and say, well, God's going to... No, He can. Now, He can take the worst things, right? Tornadoes and hurricanes and, and, and whatever, whether bad things happen in life, and He can turn that around. But that's not what the verse is talking about. 
You know, it, it, there's no, 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 no information here about, well, bad things have to happen first so that good things can happen after that. That's, that's just bad doctrine. I live my life that I expect things to go good when I arrive. Because that's what he says. He, that we know that all things, so if all things work together for good, then how could there be anything that works for bad? Would a tornado be part of the all things that work for good? No, that's not a good thing, amen? That's on the other side. So they can't be all things because that would then be most things work together for good unless they're bad, and then when they're bad, then I'll, then I'll somehow turn them to be good. Uh, and so if you're dealing with bad, well, that's a different discussion, amen? That's not a Romans eight twenty eight discussion. That's a different discussion. Well, let's figure out how to uh, get around uh, those bad things. The Lord can restore. He can recover. He can heal, amen? He can do those things when those bad things happen, but that's not Romans eight twenty eight. amen? Uh, for me, if, if I get more than one bad thing happening in a row, uh, I start going to the Lord. What's up? Lord, you said all things work together for good for me. Do I love you? Uh, he said, for those that love God, do I love you? Am I called? Are we all not called? All of us are called, amen? Not to necessarily the pulpit ministry, but all of us are called to, to the plan and will of God. Uh, do, you, do you love God? I think most Christians love the Lord. You know, I don't think. But are Christians living in the faith of this verse? See, I go to the Lord and say, what's up? Because he said in Psalm 91 that he would give uh, his angels charge over you to watch you in how many of your ways? All of your ways, lest you do what? Dash your foot against a stone. You ever stubbed your toe? You know, if I stub my toe twice, I go to the Lord. And he wants, you know, whatever, right? Twice, Lord, what's up? You, where's your angels? You know, and he'd be like, well, they were right there. But you decided to walk in sin, and so, you know, uh, you got outside my plan and will, so now you have to recover from that. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, and that's what we want to talk about is, is this whole area of how does the Lord deal with the sin in the church? So we talked about what's going to happen to, you know, at the end of time. Amen? Uh, we talked about the, first we talked about the Old Testament, how the Lord dealt with that. Now, and, you know, you've got to be careful of building any doctrine in how the Lord relates to people from the Old Covenant, because it's completely different. We are born again children of God today. They were not born again. They were not children of God. They were his chosen people, but they were not children of God. We are his family. And so he deals with us differently in the new covenant than he did in the old covenant. So any doctrine that, that talks about, well, curse on you and all these things yeah, that's pulled from the old covenant, it, it, it's not good doctrine. In fact, uh, we're going to look at when we get to the concept of curses, what you'll find is in the new covenant, in the new Testament from, from uh, really from Romans all the way to the book of Jude, there is no concept of curse that comes along with a sin for a Christian. There's no concept of that in the Word of God at all. You can read every, every verse there is about curses in the New Testament, and none of them say this curse comes because you committed a sin. None, there's nothing like that at all in the New Testament for a child of God. Uh, and so uh, that sounds like a bold statement, but, you know, you got the same computer I got. You can go look it up. Go look up all the, I mean, I've got them. Well, I read them all, but I've read, looked at every single verse that has any Greek word related to the curses in it, and none of them are the result of your sin. A whole, most of them are talking about uh, swearing, right, cursing each other. Uh, and so, which is not the same thing when the Lord curses you, right? Or, and Lord, the Lord never cursed anybody anyway. In the old covenant, it was always the devil that brought the curse. Uh, and so we talked about that as well. And we talked about the end of times, what happens at the end of time, amen? That all of us get to stand before the Lord Jesus. As Christians, we stand before the Lord to find out what rewards we get. He's going to look at everything you did, good and bad, and if it's bad, it gets burned up. If it was good, you get a reward for that. 
Uh, and he said, uh, yet you will be saved, yet so is by fire. So if you have nothing, if it all burns up, you still get to go into heaven. You're going to go in naked, but you're going to go into heaven. Amen. Uh, you're going to go in with no crowns, no, no, uh, nothing to worship the Lord with. We, we don't know what we do with the treasures that we, uh, that we arrive. Because he said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Amen. Where, where the moth and rust does not destroy. So we're, we're laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven as we follow the will and plan of God in the earth. What do we do with those? Well, one thing we know, we will worship the Lord with them. Uh, what else we're going to do? I have no idea. But they must be important because he said that that's a valuable part of your life is to, is to lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Uh, but he said some Christians will go through the fire when he reviews all the works done in your, in your, in your body uh, and there won't be any treasures. You will arrive in heaven empty-handed. He said, but you will be saved. You will be saved. Uh, and so, so I'm going to spend a little time uh, because I, I'm very brave today and talk about how does the Lord deal with sin in the church? Uh, because uh, you know anybody who, who lives a life without sin? I mean, you know, you would have to know what they think. You would have to know what they do in the private. You'd have to know what they watch on TV when no one's looking, right? What websites they're visiting that they ought not be visiting, right? Uh, go visit uh, somebody's uh, uh, browsing history, right? Uh, let's go find out all that, amen? Go find out what they're looking at when nobody's looking at them, looking at things that they ought not be looking at, right? Uh, and so uh, there's a lot of things that... Uh, uh, we see in the Word of God that talks about these areas uh, that uh, if you just look at a Christian, you know, I think most Christians, sincere Christians, are trying to do good in this life. You know, I really believe that uh, because you're born again. You're made in the image like this of God. I believe He put in you His nature, right, and His desire to do good. Uh, and yet, you know, because of life's difficulties and, and the things we have to walk through in this natural life and the sin nature that's always uh, working against us, sometimes we yield to sin. So how does the Lord deal with that? How does he deal with that in, in the Christian church? Uh, and so uh, let's start out with number one is if you commit a sin. So, so what's a sin, right? Now people say, well, you know, even today, there, is, there are people in pockets of the body of Christ who believe that Christians cannot sin. They honestly believe that. They believe that, that there, it is impossible for a Christian to sin because of whatever reason, right? And they come up with some obscure verses and things and just say, well, in general, God wouldn't, you know, uh, God wouldn't condemn sin or whatever. You know, the doctrine doesn't make any sense. But they still believe that, right? Because if they don't sin, then, then there's, not, there's nothing they can do that's actually wrong. Uh, and they oftentimes will pull out uh, odd verses. But that's not true at all. Amen. Sin is any time you miss the mark, right? That's the word, the word sin means to miss the mark. Well, what's the mark? The mark is, is just the goal, right? It's, it's, the Lord says, I want you to live like this. I want you to do these things. Well, then that's the goal. Do those things. Walk in love, right? Love God. Well, that's a mark. Well, what if you don't walk in love? Well, then you miss the mark, right? Don't commit adultery. Is that a mark? Yeah, he said in the, in the, in the, in the New Testament, don't commit adultery. Okay, well, then that's a mark. Do that. Follow that plan. Don't, don't, don't go down that road. And sometimes people in the church do that. They go down that road. He said, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Uh, well, do, are, Christians, are there Christians that lie, cheat, and steal? There are. In fact, you know, me and Chris were talking about how when we were with my pastor, there were, there were a bunch of folks in the church that were good at doing, you know, like uh, construction kind of stuff, right? Flooring and, and just building and stuff. And, and uh, we were there for 20 years, and we got to the point where we, we could use nobody in the church, nobody that we knew, right? Because they were lie, thieves and crooks, right? They would do the halfway job. Well, you're a Christian, you know, I just, I just need to do a halfway job. Like, well, you wouldn't do that to your other paying customer. I'm a paying customer. You know, I paid them. 
uh, and yet they would take advantage of you as a church member. That's terrible. Amen? It's just, it just, it just embarrassing to me that, that you would treat a church member, a, a fellow church member, with such disdain, amen, and such dishonor to do things uh, halfway, amen. And we had one fellow uh, that uh, uh, he, was, he was involved with carpet, and we had a children's room about the size of our children's room in there, uh, and so we wanted him to lay the carpet in there. Uh, and so we, uh, before he got there, we pulled up all the old carpet, we got everything cleaned out, uh, we, we put the new carpet in there, new padding in there, and all he had to do was basically roll it out and, t- and glue it down. And that was it. And he charged the church like $400 to do that. And it took him like an hour, maybe two hours to do it. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I know the church has plenty of money, but, uh, you know, you shouldn't try to retire on every job. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, in fact, he did some work for us. Uh, and and um, we... Uh, we had some, uh, and remember Berber carpet, right? Back in the day, Berber carpet was the thing, right? Berber's really heavy, right? And it, uh, and it has patterns. Uh, and so he laid it, we had a long hallway, and so we laid the Berber carpet. And you look down the hallway, and the pattern did this right here. But it was not supposed to, it was supposed to do this right here, right? But it's doing this. And I said, what, the pattern's all crooked. And he said, yeah, it's really hard to get that straight. I said, well, that's your job. I mean, that's why I'm paying. If I, I, mean, I could have done that. I mean, if, if, if the goal was it doesn't matter what it looks like, well, then that's, I could do that, right? If, if, if who cares what it looks like, that's my qualification, right? I mean, I could lay carpet that way, just lay it up the walls and everything. It doesn't matter. Uh, and, well, it's really hard. Well, yeah, we'll fix it. Well, he fixed it, but he was like, rrr, rrr, rrr. well, why are you grumbling at me? You wouldn't grumble at your, at your customer. You wouldn't have treated your customer like that, but you treated your, uh, your fellow Christian that way. Uh, to me, that's just uh, uh, it's a kind of embarrassing. So, so what happens? So let's just start with the question of uh, when you miss the mark. So the mark is, uh, the, the, there's two th- areas that the Lord defines in our life about what we're supposed to do. Number one, it's always defined in the Word of God. If it's clear in the Word of God, walk in love. Well, then, do you need any, any other information to walk in love? No, he said walk in love. Well, then, you know, that, that's a big topic, right? We're not going to cover that today. But that's a big topic. Are there times when you don't walk in love? Probably, right? But does, does he have to remind you to not walk in love? He doesn't have to because it's in the word of God. Right. Amen? Uh, and so we should walk in love. Well, if I don't want to walk in love, not my problem. It still says walk in love. Amen? Well, you don't know what they've done to me. It doesn't matter. It says walk in love. It doesn't say walk in love unless you don't feel like it. Well, then if it said that, well, then okay. Then you've got an out. You can, because the mark is, there's no mark. Walk in love. If you don't want to, it's just, it's just not really, a, it's not, you know, the Lord, but the Lord, he, he sets posts in, in the word of God, you follow this post. You follow, you go to that mark, you walk in love. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's just that's what he expects you to do. So, well, how can we do that? Well, he, he, he made your spirit born again. He put the spirit of God in you. He gave you the word of God. Amen. And he gave you a pastor that loves you. And he gave you the other fivefold ministry gifts to, to help you succeed. What else do you need? You have the power of almighty God living in you right now. This very second, the same power that created every star in the sky lives in you right now. Every, they don't even know how many stars there are. That power lives in you right now. When you say, I can't do it, you know, that's not really true. What's really true is, I don't want to do it. Okay, now that's true. Okay, that's, we, can, we can agree on that, right? But when you say you can't do it, you're telling me you need more power? You need, you need like, a, like 67 books of the Bible? I mean, he gave us 66 books. Well, it's not enough. Really, it's not enough. Have you read them all? Well, I, I opened up the Bible once, you know. 
you will go flip your Bible and they're all stuck together, right? All pages still stuck together. Well, you've never read, you obviously never read Numbers, right? Because they're all stuck, stuck together. Well, who reads the book of Numbers, right? Okay, I might give you that one, but, uh, but there are some good things actually in the book of Numbers. You should read it. Uh, and so uh, the mark is the mark. He sets the goal, but he gives you the power to achieve the goal every day. It's not like you don't have the power and ability to do it. Uh, and, and when we get done with this message, we're going to talk about uh, your will. We're going to talk about the soul of man, uh, and, um, and it, help, it should help you to understand how these things work. Uh, but the mark is always, number one, the Word of God. But the second mark that a lot of Christians miss is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will tell you things to do that aren't covered in the Word of God. Turn left. Well, there's no Bible that says turn left of that road, but He needs you to turn left. Amen. Sometimes you need to go straight. Sometimes go talk to that person. Well, there's nothing in the Bible that says go talk to your uh, neighbor on your right side of your house. There's not, no scripture for that. Amen. There's no scripture that says I need you to go and help mow that guy's yard. Whatever it is, right? So there's a lot of things the Spirit of God will tell you to do that you need to do that only you need to do, right? He's not telling everybody to mow that yard. He's not t- telling everybody to turn left. He's telling you to do that. That's your, that's your uh, requirement that he's put on you in your personal life. That's a mark. And if you choose to rebel against that, that's still sin, right? You miss the mark of the Spirit of God. Now, the Spirit of God and the Word of God will always agree. He will never tell you, well, I know the Bible says walk in love, but you don't have to for that person. The Spirit of God will never tell you that. He will never tell you to do anything that would violate any principle, any verse of the Word of God. Not just by the letter of law, but by the principle of it too. Walking in love, telling the truth. Well, uh, in fact, I had a minister tell me that he lied to his wife because it was better for him to lie than to deal with him telling her the truth. And, and I'm like, I have questions, right? Can you give me, book, did the Spirit of God tell you to do that? Did the Lord tell you to actually lie to your wife that it would be better for that? Amen? Uh, and, and so, you know, it's just, uh, he, he, he didn't want the ramifications and dealing with the fallout that would occur if he told the truth, Amen? Uh, and, and so he decided it was better to lie. Well, is that true? Is it better to lie? Well, I mean, who, who is the father of lies? The devil is, right? So uh, when you lie, and I always told my kids like this, when you lie, I said, you look the most like the devil when you lie. Uh, and so and when Christians lie, they, they act most like the devil when they lie because the, de- the devil is the father of them. There were no lies in the, in the universe before the devil arrived. Amen? Uh, and so... So missing the mark is either violating a principle or the word of God, amen, or violating uh, anything the Spirit of God has told you to do or not do. Uh, and, that's, it, and it's really simple. So that's really simple, right? It, it, not, it's not complicated. It's not, well, you know, sometimes it's sin, sometimes it's not sin. It's either you're missing the mark or you're not missing the mark, amen? Now, you know, uh, sometimes it's for the Lord to decide uh, because sometimes you can look like you're doing the mark but on the inside, you're still full of rebellion, right? We talked about the willing and obedient, amen? You can be obedient on the outside and doing the thing, but on the inside, you're not willing to do what you're, what you're actually doing. You're just doing it out of, out of pressure or somebody's coercing you to do it or, some, or you feel bad for not doing it, but you don't, you don't want to do it. Uh, well, sometimes that can be still missing the mark, amen? So who's the judge of that? Not me. The Lord is the judge, Amen. I'm not gonna. I'm nobody. I'm no man's judge. Amen. Now, if you tell me I don't believe in God and Jesus or the will, or the work of the cross, well, I'm not judging you. The Word of God says you're going to hell. I'm not judging you with that. The Word of God declares that to be so. Uh, if you, now, if you say I've accepted the Lord Jesus and yet I still sinned, where am I going? I'd say, well, according to your confession, you, you'd go to heaven. 
So the, the, the first question we need to answer is, when you sin as a Christian, do you lose your salvation? Are, are you on your way to hell when you commit a sin as a Christian? And this seems like such an obvious uh, thing to answer, and yet this is one of the great landmines of teaching us, oh yeah, yeah, well, certain sins, right? Any sin I'm not doing will send you to hell, right? I mean, that's kind of the way it is, right? It's like, well, they talk about these deep, dark sins like homosexuality, you know, and, 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 and now, now it's transgenderism, right? All these crazy, insane sins that no sane person would commit. Uh, yeah, those right there. Well, what about lying to your spouse? Oh, well, I mean, sometimes that's okay and necessary, right? So, you know, that's not really a sin. I mean, it's not, it's not going to send you to hell sin, right? I mean, it, it's a sin, but it, it won't send you to hell sin. Those other ones that I'm not doing, they will send you to hell. Well, how do you reconcile that doctrine? You got any book, chapter, and verse for that? No book, chapter, and verse for that. You made that up, right? <clears throat> and so uh, let, let's, uh, uh, let's go to Hebrews, you know, and we'll try to answer that question because that's, 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 a, re- that's a question that throws people for a, lot, for a loop sometimes because the ramifications are that if, if you sin as a Christian and you don't go to hell, then party time, let's all sin all we want to. Well, is that what we should do? Is that our goal? Uh, you know, Katie, bar the door, we're having a party. Uh, I mean, that would be foolish, right? Uh, because the next question we've got to answer after that one is, are there any ramifications to your sin? See, that's the real kicker, right? It's not uh, uh, salvation. It, it, salvation is not the question, Amen. The quality of your life is your question, is the question really that we want to address. But let's, let's deal with this one first uh, so that we can get to, the, to are there any ramifications to your sin? Because you need to know this. Because, because sometimes, you know, we should, always, we, we should follow the will and plan of God because we love Him. Amen? We shouldn't follow the will and plan of God because we fear Him. We should do it because we love Him. But sometimes fearing Him will keep you on the straight and narrow. Amen? Sometimes when, I mean, you love Him, but you still want to do that thing. Right, whatever the thing is, sometimes knowing that he's going to, remember we said that you will stand before him and he will review all the deeds done in the body, both good and bad. That's the fear of God that you need to remind yourself about. Okay, I'm still going to go to heaven, but he's still going to ask me about it. <laughs> he's gonna, whatever that thing is, right? You're going, hey, oh, you're next? Yeah, come here. Oh, yeah, you, you fed those puppies, and, you know, you brushed your cat, and you're such a wonderful person, you know, you, you visited your mom all the time, uh, and you're stuck, yeah, Lord, I did all this thing, and, you, but, and you're like, uh, Lord, can I, I need to go to the bathroom, uh, you know, you, you know, people get up, they go to the bathroom, right, it's, I gotta go to the bathroom right now, uh, and so, yeah, there are no, there are no porta potties in heaven, all right, and so you can't, you can't get out of line, once you're in line, you're in line, amen, and so you're gonna have to deal with it. So sometimes it's good to know that he's going to ask you about that, right? And, and, and so now he's going to ask you about it not to judge your, your uh, eternal destiny, amen? Because you're a child of God. Remember the, the sheep and the goats? You are a sheep, amen, because you accepted Jesus. And you're a goat because you rejected Jesus. You don't become a goat because you committed a sin. You're a sheep because you accepted the Lord Jesus. And that's the end of the discussion. There, there are no, you are always a sheep, amen? Uh, and so, because it says right here in Romans, uh, in, in, in um, Hebrews chapter 6, uh, it's, let's start in verse 4, it says, For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. 
So now we have used this verse, and we've talked about this many times, and we don't have time to go into it. You can go back and look at some of the other messages that we've done. Uh, you go back to 1 John chapter 5, and you've got to go to Hebrews uh, chapter 10, and Hebrews chapter 6, and you put all those together. What you find out, that the, the, what he talked about in these verses is, uh, the un, uh, is the sin of the death. That it is possible uh, for a child of God on his way to heaven to miss heaven. But the qualifications here are that you have to have been enlightened, tasted of the heavenly gift, made partakers of the Holy Ghost, tasted of the good word of God, and powers of the world to come. Those are the qualifications. Most Christians don't even meet those qualifications. You ask them, you know, what is, where's John 3.16? I don't know. It's in the third chapter of John, right? They, they're going to tell you that, right? Uh, they, they, they know almost nothing of the word of God. Uh, and someone like that will stay ignorant most of their life and, and will never know enough to be able to make the decision to walk away from Jesus. Uh, and so there is a sin of the death, which is the, the very end extreme of, of the body of Christ. Very few people will ever even be qualified to that. They have to be used in the powers of the Lord, right? Used in supernatural abilities of the Lord, know the word of God very well. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, and, and so most Christians, you know, they stay kind of at a... At a uh, Young, young stage in their Christian walk. They, uh, a lot of Christians never make it to full maturity. Uh, they just prefer to stay kind of immature. You know, people that never grow up. You ever notice that? You know, uh, they were rotten when they were two years old. And when they are 20 years old, they're still rotten. It's like, well, what happened? Nothing happened. Literally nothing happened. They never grew up. Amen. Uh, and they're just that way all their life. And it's unfortunate, but that's the same thing in the church. Many people in the church never grow up. They never learn the word of God. They never study the Word of God. They never uh, yield to the Spirit of God to, uh, in the supernatural powers of the Lord, uh, in healing and miracles and signs and wonders. You know, how many Christians are doing those things? Uh, and so if, if a Christian like that then knows enough to reject the Lord Jesus, they could actually lose their salvation. But it's not, it's not, it's not sin that it's the issue. It's the falling away when they choose to walk away from Jesus. So it's not the sin that causes them to lose their salvation. It's when they choose I know the Lord, I know who he is, I know what he's done for me, I don't want him anymore. Well, that's sin in the sense that it's missing the mark, but it's not because they robbed a bank or because they told a lie or because they you know, ate too many donuts, it's because they walked away. Now, only a person who's a mature Christian could actually do that, amen? So that, that's not the scenario we're talking about, amen? We're talking about just your average uh, general Christian, everybody in this church, you know, most people that you know that it's children of God, that's what we want to cover because that's, that's the most important thing of your life because a lot of people will look at this and go, oh yeah, uh, there's going to be all kinds of people falling away from the Lord. It's only people who are, well, who are well versed in the Lord and their relationship with Him that are even qualified to do that. But the issue here uh, that we want to talk about is uh, if, uh, if every Christian that committed a sin falls away from the Lord, then there is no repentance because what he says here is, if they shall fall away, in verse 6, to renew them again unto repentance, uh, uh, he said it's impossible to renew them again unto repentance because they crucified to, them, to, to themselves the Son of God afresh. So what a lot of Christians believe, and they really believe this, that if you commit a sin, you are now lo- no longer born again. And so in order to restore your fellowship back with the Lord, you must now accept the Lord Jesus again. In other words, accept the work of the cross again. So you're, you're basically crucifying a second time, right? Because the first time we got born again, we accepted the work of the cross. So we allowed the work of the cross, we allowed the crucifixion of Lord Jesus to, to, uh, to affect our lives. 
And then we, now we just commit a sin, we ran a red light when we shouldn't have, or we, you know, we ate the last slice of bread when we were supposed to save it for somebody, whatever the sin is, and now you've committed that sin, now you've lost your salvation, now you've got to get born again. Not just repent, but you have to get born again a second time. Well, Hebrews chapter 6 says that that's impossible. So that's why it's, it's a whole, when people say, well, yeah, you commit this particular sin, you're going to hell. So that you're telling me there's no repentance for that sin because there's no repentance for this sin, right? There's no repentance if you, if you mature and grow in the Lord and get to know him well enough that he's using you in, in teaching and sound doctrine and supernatural miracles and signs and wonders. And if you get to that, that level and you walk away, then that's it. It's a one-way street. You'll never go back. But for your average Christian, are they doing that when they commit a sin? Are they, are they saying, Lord, I don't want you? No, they just commit a sin. They just, you know, in the heat of the moment, they allow their flesh to, to take, uh, to, to take uh, 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 rule of their life, and they yield to their flesh. And they regret it as soon as they do that. Many times they regret it as soon as they do that. You know, sometimes they're a little slow on it, but oftentimes they regret it very soon after they commit the sin. But that's not what he's talking about in Hebrews chapter 6. Amen? He's not talking about sin in Hebrews chapter 6. He, he's talking about when you know and you make a decision to walk away from the Lord, fall away, right? Walk away from the Lord. Uh, that's, that's not because of the sin. That's because of a choice. You now lo- no longer want the Lord. That's not your, most Christians aren't doing that, right? Very few Christians are even qualified to do it. Most Christians, they just miss the mark. There's a mark. I don't want to do that. Okay, well, that's a sin. You need to deal with that sin. So, uh, uh, because if you lose your salvation, you cannot get it back. Amen. So I'm not trying to put you in fear of, well, you're going to lose your salvation if you sin. No, you only lose your salvation if you choose to walk away from your salvation. Amen. Well, you're doing that because you sin. No, you're not doing that because of the sin. You're doing that by choice. You would walk away from your salvation only by choice when you know enough to do that. Right. When the two year old says, I don't want you as my mommy and daddy. Shut up. Go to your room. They don't know enough to really make that decision. Right. But when they're 32 and they say, I don't want you as my parents. Well, then they've made a decision. Right. They're, they're mostly, they would be, uh, it's still a stupid thing to say and do, but they, but they are well enough, they are of the age of a consent, they could do that, amen? Most Christians, they commit a sin, and it was like, just dummy, you know, straighten up and repent. Uh, and so, so uh, but a lot of times people will use these verses to say, if you commit a sin, you fall away from the Lord. But if that's true, then, then it says, it is impossible for them to renew again to, uh, to repentance, well, then, if it's impossible to repent, then why does the New Testament have so much information to tell us about how to repent? There's, I mean, we're going to go through some, we're going to go through all of them, but there's a lot of verses that say, repent. Well, if I've committed a sin and I've fallen away from the Lord and I, can't, and I can't get back to being a Christian, then the means of repentance is not available, so then, then the doctrine doesn't make any sense. You know, in studying these topics, the best thing to do is look at what the whole counsel of God says. And you have to reconcile everything together. You've got to put it all together. Well, you know, I, this can't be so if this is so. And that's how you study the Word of God. And, and in studying this, uh, uh, that's part of what I was doing. It's like, well, we can't, uh, Hebrews chapter 6 can't be so for your average Christian if 1 John 1, 9 exists. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Well, 1 John 1, 9 is in, is in conflict with Hebrews chapter 6 if you lose your salvation, uh, if you commit a sin. So they can't be so. So Hebrews chapter 6 is limited for a specific situation where you choose to walk away from Jesus, not where you just decide to make, commit a sin. Uh, now, every sin is a decision, amen? You choose to sin. Nobody made you sin. You chose to do it. 
Uh, and so uh, every sin comes from the standpoint of you making a choice. Amen. But it's not a choice of I'm walking with him, Jesus. It's a choice of, yeah, I'm going to eat that. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. It's not, you're not putting in terms of, yeah, Jesus, I don't want you anymore. Uh, m- uh, most Christians will never even get to that point in their life when they do that. So uh, you're not going to lose your salvation when you sin. And, and of course, some people will take that and say, well, then I can sin as, my, as, as much as I want to. Well, roll the dice. I mean, you know, I guess because we're going to find out, are there ramifications to sin in the church? Are, are, are there, uh, is there a, uh, something that's going to happen in your life because of sin? Uh, and, of course, the answer to that question is, well, it depends, right? You mean you don't get struck dead every time? Nope. Uh, sometime, uh, and we're going to read scriptures that prove these things, amen? We're going to find out what the Word of God says. Instead of just gi- giving our opinion, we're going to see what the Word of God says. Uh, and so uh, let's just read, uh, let's just turn to, uh, to Romans chapter 2, because there are people who still believe that the church doesn't ever need to repent because we commit no sin, which doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, have you lived a perfect life? Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, and so he says here, let's read in verse, uh, Romans chapter 2, who is the book of Romans written to? Is it written to the world or the church? It's written to the church, right? So he says here in verse 4, or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to what? Repentance, right? Forbearance and long suffering is what the Lord has to experience while he's waiting on you to repent. Amen? So what does the word repent mean? Well, repent is a very simple word. It just means to, ch- to change course and direction. And so when you're sinning, you're going down that road over there, right? And repent, you go, well, I'm going to stop going down that road. I'm going to start going on this road, which is where you're supposed to be to begin with, right? The Lord says, go down that road. Uh, and you're like, I don't want to go down that road. I want to go down this road. Well, fine, but that's sin. And you go, yep, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, and, and so the Lord is long-suffering, right? Uh, you think about that. The Lord does suffer when you, when you uh, violate his will and plan. And the thing the church needs to, needs to appreciate, here's where we struggle so much, is if we really knew the Lord, this is why it's obvious to me that Hebrews chapter 6 is not talking about the average Christian, because if you really knew the Lord, when he tells you to do something, it's not to constrain you, to limit you, to to hold you back or to not let you have as much fun as you want to. The, the greatest fulfillment of your life, the greatest joy, the greatest peace, the greatest of everything you'll ever have is when you fully follow the will and plan of God for your life. And you've got you've to be convinced that God loves you enough that his path that he set for you is a path full of joy and, and great blessings. And the path that you want to go on is only death and destruction, the path that your flesh wants to go on. If the church would believe that, but most people don't believe that. Well, God's holding me back, right? Well, I, you know, I want to love who I want to love. That's fine. That's foolishness, right? Uh, because who you want to love may be a horrible person. Amen? People marry horrible people, and they go, how, how'd they get into this? Well, you, you did it on your own. The Lord didn't lead you that way, right? You married them. Well, they're a horrible person. Well, you said, I do, right? You should have said, I don't. <laughs> uh, do, you take this, do you take this man or woman to be your lawful wedded spouse? No, <laughs> where's the door? I went out of this, right? That's what you should have done. But you didn't ask my opinion, so I'm going to let you, you know. Uh, uh, I know there was a story with a woman that was uh, part of uh, Brother Hagin's church when he was a pastor. He said she was one of the most spiritual people in the church. But she was a widow, and, and she got to liking this, this man. And, and even her, her daughter said, Mom, she said, that man's an alcoholic. Yeah, but I love him. 
And then she, she went off and got married to him. That's the last they saw her for years. And she came, and finally they, uh, uh, the daughter was at Brother Hagin's house, you know, just fellowshipping. And, uh, and they see this old woman, all uh, battered and beat up looking and just rough looking, coming up the driveway. And it was her mom, who was one of the most spiritual people in the church. And she came and just kind of collapsed in the, in the house and started, uh, Brother Hagin, tell me why the Lord, you know, uh, would put me through this. You know, why the Lord would let me suffer like this and all these things. And he said, uh, she said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him why he, why he uh, made me suffer like this. And he said, he said, well, you don't have to wait till you get to heaven. I can tell you right now, you wanted that old drunk. Uh, and you know, sometimes want, people want what they want, regardless of, of the wisdom of God, uh, regardless of, of the plan of God. People just do what they want to do. Fine. I mean, you, you know, we always have a choice. Amen. Do what you want to do, but see, if you're a wise person, you'd go, you know, the Lord loves me, and he's got a perfect plan for my life that's full of joy and happiness. Lord, what do you want me to do? See, I trust the Lord that, that, that I can ask him, and if he says, well, what you're fixing to do is not my plan and will for your life. Oh, well, that can't be a good thing, because if he wants me to not do that and do something else, then, then that's got to be a better, that's got to be a better option. Right. You've got to believe that. If you don't believe that, you think the Lord's always holding you back. He's always, you know, the fuddy-duddy. He's always, you know, no, the fun, no fun God, you know. And, and you know, I talked to somebody not long ago. Yeah, when I, you know, I die, I'm going to go to hell. We're going to have a big party. You are not going to have a party in hell. It is tears and weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell. There's no partying going on in hell. It, it, is, it is distance from the life and plan of God. There's darkness only and terror every day, right? And, and agony and pain uh, separated from the life of God. There's, there's no partying going on in hell. Yeah, we're the party group. You know, we're the, we're the fun bus, you know, over here. Oh, you're the fuddy-duddy bus. No, the fullness of joy found only in the Lord. Amen. Fullness of joy. Yeah. Amen. Uh, you know, I doubt many Christians ever actually experience a fullness of joy. They experience an occasion of joy. But the fullness of joy, when, when your heart is just exploding with joy, that kind of joy, where everywhere you look, it's just, it just blessings. Right? And prosperity everywhere you look, every direction, up and down, left and right, forward and backwards, fullness of joy. That can only be found in the Lord. But fullness of flesh can be found anywhere in the world. Amen? Uh, and a lot of people, they, they want to exchange the fullness of joy for fullness of flesh. Well, I want to do what I want to do. That's the dumbest thing. How can intelligent people think that way? People do it every day. People in a church do it every day. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, does, does, does the goodness of God lead even the church to repentance? He does. So if the church needs to repent, what are they repenting of? That would be sin. Amen. Uh, and so is, does, see, people normally think that it's, it's the judgment and harshness of God that will lead you and beat you into repentance. It's not what it says. He said the goodness of God, because he's forbearing and long-suffering, he will lead you to repentance. Why? Because he desires for you to have the fullness of joy. That's his, that's his great desire. Amen. Uh, and so that means that there will be an occasion where the church will need to repent, that they will need to change course of direction because the course of direction they've chosen to go on is not the right direction that the Lord has planned either by his word or by his spirit. And so change course because he, well, Lord, I'm, I'm on this course, but you want me to go over there. I trust you enough that over there is better than where I'm at. I think, you know, I really want this, but you said it's better over there. It's got hard for me to believe that because I really want this. But see, if you trust him, you go, but I trust you, Lord. I'm going to go that direction. And what you'll find is nine, uh, not nine, uh, not, not, I was going to say nine times out of ten, uh, 100% of the time, it's always better, amen? Unless you got it wrong to begin with, of course, but that's a different discussion. Uh, and so, 
Uh, we're about out of time. Let's look at one more verse here, and, and we'll go. Uh, I don't know how far we'd get today, because it's just, in fact, just this morning, I've got, uh, what, I've got, uh, uh, I've got 26 pages of notes, and I rewrote almost all of them this morning, because, you know, it's, not, it's, it's just, Lord, we've got we to find the right path, right? And so, you know, we're, we're figuring this out. Just, you know, you're getting it just about as soon as I get it, amen? Uh, and so here in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, let's look at, uh, starting at verse 8. Who is 2 Corinthians written to? It's written to the church. Is it written to the world? You know, in fact, uh, when you go to Romans 10, 9 and 10, where it talks about how to be born again. There's not a single thing that talks about a sinner should repent. A sinner does not repent for their sins uh, to get born again. A sinner accepts the Lord Jesus and, uh, for the work that he's done, believes that God raised Jesus from the dead, and confesses him as his Lord. No repentance for a sinner to become a Christian. I know that sounds odd, but how are you going to repent? What did you do 37 years ago on Tuesday? How are you going to repent of that? It was wrong, but how are you going to repent of that? Do you remember what you did? Uh, you don't remember what you did, so there's no way you can repent of it. Amen. When you accept the Lord Jesus, he wipes the slate clean. You are at zero. Amen. There's no repentance that needs to be done for the sinner, uh, which sounds odd because the sinners should repent. Amen. But, uh, but really, when they, in the sense of repenting, they're not repenting for their sins. They're repenting and changing course and direction and accepting the Lord Jesus. That is, is the only repentance that a sinner would do, not repenting for their sins. But not the church. The church needs to repent and change course and direction for their sins. Uh, and so he said here, uh, a book, 2 Corinthians, written to the church, starting in verse 8 of chapter 7. Uh, uh, for though I made you sorry with a letter. So, you know, in 1 Corinthians, he called them... Uh, uh, you, you are uh, uh, walk as carnal Christians and as mere unchanged men. Uh, uh, and so uh, he said, I made you sorry with a letter. He did. You go read 1 Corinthians. It's, it, you know, he he kind of rakes them over the coals in 1 Corinthians. Now, I do not repent, uh, and though I did repent, for I perceived that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a, goodly, after a godly manner that you might receive uh, damage by us and nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to repent it of, but, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Uh, and so he sent them a, a letter, a harsh letter, right? And he said, you know, uh, it, it drove, the godly sorrow worked to repentance. Now it says to salvation, but that salvation it, uh, the word salvation in and of itself does not mean being born again. It, uh, it just means to accept the, the, uh, the sozo of God, right, which is all the inheritance that we get as part of being a Christian. Uh, and we're going to talk about the inheritance as we go on further uh, in, in this discussion. But he said, the godly sorrow worketh repentance. You know, sometimes uh, you've got to be called out for your sin. Sometimes you say, hey, you know what you did was wrong. You know, and, and the response on your part should be godly sorrow. And he said, that will work towards your repentance when you, when you, when you see what you've done. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes we're clueless, right? Sometimes we do something and we, and we said something. And, you know, sometimes we didn't even mean it, right? I mean, honestly, we didn't mean it. And somebody could take offense at it. Uh, and, and, or sometimes it, what you actually said was just unkind. You know, well, I didn't think it. You know, you were raised differently than, you know, if you were raised in New Hampshire, everybody told you to shut up. You get to Tennessee, well, we don't use the word shut up. You know, we use the word hush. What's the word hush mean? It means shut up. Okay, well, just say shut up then. Well, that's what we say in New Hampshire, right? If you come down to Tennessee, you tell someone to shut up, and they tell me to shut up. You know? Then somebody else says you to hush. Like, okay, I'll hush. 
like, well, what's the day? It's the same thing, right? But some people, you know, just gonna, you gotta, you gotta, you know, pet on them. It's okay, honey, you know. Uh, and so, uh, but sometimes, you know, so sometimes you do things wrong, and somebody like Paul has to call you out. And and if you're sensitive, uh, the godly sorrow will rise up. You know, you're right. What I've done was wrong. What I said was wrong. Where I went was wrong. What I read was wrong. What I thought was wrong. Whatever it is, uh, you, you're right. See, that was the response that Paul was hoping to get out of the Corinthians was, hey, I'm, I'm calling you carnal, and you walk as mere unchanged men. And, and, and the whole church said, yeah, you're right. Because you remember in the church, they had the man that was sleeping with his, with his, with his uh, mother-in-law, right? Or not his mother-in-law, his stepmother. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, that's just kind of gross, sleeping with your stepmom, right? Uh, but weird things are going on like that today, amen? I mean, like we're, it's like it's a race. So how can we outdo the Bible, right? How can we outsin the Bible? Uh, and so, so Paul said uh, that you were made sorry. You know, sometimes there is sorrow that comes with the, the acknowledgement of your own sin. But he said, what's the goal of it? It's not just, see, some people, when they confront you with your sin, they're just wanting to punish you, right? They want to beat you up, tell you how sorry you are, you're no-count, worthless individual. Paul said, my goal is to drive you towards repentance. Amen? To, to get back in the good graces of, of the Lord. Uh, that, see, if, you're, if your goal is not that in, in confronting somebody, then you're no different than the devil. The devil will condemn people who commit sin. God will, will confront you with the desire to get you to repent. The devil just wants to beat you up and tell you how sorry you are. Amen? And many in the church act just like the devil. Uh, you, you sin and, and then repent, and they will never let you forget it. Now, God's forgot your sin, but they'll never forget it. Amen? You know, the, the only other one who, who doesn't forget your sin it's a devil. So when you don't forget somebody else's sins, you act just like the devil. Amen? Uh, and so, so we'll continue on because, again, we, we want to look at some of these verses here. Uh, and, and I'm trying not to go too fast. Uh, but like I said, it's a, it's a big topic. And um, uh, we'll, we'll, we won't be here for months and months, I don't think. Uh, but there's just some things we want to talk about that, that uh, when you sin, uh, first of all, and, and we'll, we'll go with this uh, right here. Uh, how do you know you sin? How do you know you've committed an infraction against the will and plan of God? Holy the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit lives in you. Yeah. And, and that's the best way uh, to know when you've committed a sin. Now, Paul had to talk to the church at Corinth because they would not hear the Spirit of God. Sometimes God will send people to you. And, and, you, and you know, you've got to know and appreciate that if God sends somebody to you to get you to repent... It's only because you're too slow to hear from him. Because his desire would be to just deal with it between you and him. Every single time, the Spirit of God will tell you if you've missed, if you've missed the mark. Every time. Because he said he'd lead you and guide you into all truth. Didn't he say that, right? Well, wouldn't you missing the mark would be part of the truth? So th- that's the Lord's desire. is to. So every Christian has the Spirit of God in them. Every Christian can know when they've committed a sin. Now, a lot of times they do this right here. Blah, 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 right? And they don't want to hear from heaven. And so sometimes, because God still loves you, he will send somebody to help you. Amen? And then it's up to you. Do you reject it or accept it? I've been rejected many times when I go to try to help somebody. I have come here to help you. Shut up. Get out of my face. Okay, no problem. Right? Live in that. Live in that sin. They may never get over it. Amen? They may never repent from that sin. And there are people I know that are that way right now. 
that have never repented for the sins that the Lord sent me to go and confront them about. Uh, that's not my problem, right? I've done my job, uh, and, and it's up to, uh, you know, now the Lord could send somebody else because he's long-suffering and, and has forbearance, amen? <clears throat> my desire is, well, I hope they die in their sin. That's not my desire. Now, I may never be able to help them, but maybe somebody else could. Uh, but see, number one, the Spirit of God will always help you. He will always show you. Uh, and, and a lot of times, even you do something, you know, immediately the Spirit of God will be in me like, uh, what you said was, don't you say that. Don't you ever say that again. And the person may not even have taken it as, as, a, as an infraction, but the Spirit of God, he doesn't, he doesn't like it. Amen? And so he'll say, don't ever say that again. And yes, Lord, I repent. I, I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me from that unrighteousness. And so we'll go into that. So, so is repentance an actual thing the church does? Sure. You would think that'd be an obvious doctrine. But there are worldwide ministries today on television who tell you, you do not commit a sin as a Christian. You do not have to repent as a Christian. And yet we've read two, two verses just right there uh, in uh, Romans and 2 Corinthians. And, and again, we could read several more. We, I don't know that we'll go through all of them, but uh, we'll look at uh, eventually 1 John. And of course, they think, well, 1 John's the only one that tells you to do that. And so they get rid of the whole book of 1 John. Well, it's not written to the church. Well, then you've got to get rid of the book of Romans. You've got to get rid of the book of 2 Corinthians. You've got to get rid of the book of 2 Timothy, right? I mean, uh, that, that's a whole lot of getting rid of, amen? Uh, and, and so, no, just repent, amen? Uh, the Lord never expected the church to be perfect. Uh, that, that's why he set it up the way he set it up, amen? He never, he never expected the church would never make a mistake ever again because we have the sin nature in us. Uh, and so uh, there's some things that we will never be able to fully overcome until everything has been dealt, dealt with, amen? But that's in the future. In the time being, we live in the bodies that we live in, amen? And so we'll, we'll continue this because uh, there's, there's one verse, especially in 2 Timothy, that, that I think is really interesting uh, because it helps us understand, uh, or at least it helps us appreciate that uh, God does not deal with everybody's sins the same way. And he, we have to leave that in the, in the uh, counsel of God. Uh, if he chooses to, uh, you know, for some people, it's like they commit a sin and immediately it's on five o'clock news. And in some people, it's like they live their whole life and just making mistakes and doing things wrong and, and nobody ever seems to know about it, right? Does it get publicized? Does nobody confront them publicly? And they seem, well, they seem like they got away with it. Well, why is that? You'll have to ask the Lord about that, those things, right? Because he, he just chooses them. We'll see some... We do see some um, examples uh, and some principles of the Word of God in dealing with sin that are important to know. We'll look at some of those things as we go along. That It's not a law, but we do see you know, in certain cases that, that, the, that He will deal with certain types of sins in a certain way on a pretty regular basis. Amen? Uh, and so, but we'll have to look at that as we go along. We, we want to make sure we get into the Word of God and find out what it says. Amen? Uh, and so all hearts and minds clear? All good? Amen? <laughs> No landmines today, amen, we'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll walk carefully to the office after the service, right? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for the word today. So Father, we do thank you for the word. And Father, we thank you for the blessings of heaven. We thank you, Father, that uh, your word is clear and concise, Father. And so we can follow your plan and will according to your word. And Father, our desire is to follow your word and your spirit each and every day in all the things that we do in this life. Uh, to bring honor to you, Father, to be vessels, meet for the master's use, and to acquire and obtain treasures for us in heaven, Father, that will be there when we arrive in glory. And so, Father, we thank you for these things. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, praise God. Has anybody heard that doctrine about that you don't have to repent as a Christian? Anybody heard that? Uh, it's pretty prevalent in, in certain circles in the church, right? And it's, and it's on TV a lot, so. Uh, and, and that'd be sweet if it was true, right? Just don't ever, don't matter. Just do whatever you want to, right? Uh, and so, uh, but that's not, that's not what the Word says, amen? And so let's get ready to receive this morning's uh, tithes and offerings. And um, we appreciate y'all's faithful giving, amen? Y'all are a faithful uh, church to give to the Lord and His work. And um, uh, we haven't made any, any plans or decisions yet, but uh, we're, we're generally planning uh, that we'll start some renovations on the building next door, and we've got to decide uh, what we want to do with that building overall. So we'll, we'll have some discussion with you guys and uh, get some input from everybody, see what they, what they think. Amen. And so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And um, don't forget we have a healing school today at 3 o'clock. Uh, and uh, we're going through uh, T.J. McCrossin's book on uh, godly healing and the atonement. Uh, and he's just making the case that when Jesus went to the cross, he took care of healing as well as everything else, amen, as well as, uh, uh, as, well as sin and everything, right? And the cross was not limited to sin only. Uh, in fact, the sin was, was one of the least important things. The primary purpose of the cross was to get the Spirit of God in you. Uh, and so that was really the end goal of all the work that the Lord Jesus did for us. Uh, and so, praise God. Well, it, we'll continue on. Amen. This happy, wonderful message here. I think it's a good message, but, uh, you know, it should, it should encourage us uh, and at least let us know where the Lord stands with these things so we know how to live as a Christian. Amen. Because you don't want to live with the thoughts of uh, around every corner, God's got a two by four waiting to get you. Amen. That's not a good way to live. So be blessed uh, and, and you're dismissed.